0: You're listening to another episode of the Zagricer so here, excited to be joined by 2018 NLC Twin Cities fellow, B2 Adam is here. We haven't had a Twin Cities person on, so excited to hear what's up in that part of the world on this Get Out the Vote weekend. Thanks for listening. Let's get to it. All right, B2, give me the scoop. What's the, what's the hot topics on Get Out the Vote weekend in the Twin Cities and the state at large?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different events going on here in the Twin Cities. I'm currently um, actually at a door knock for Irene Fernando running for Hennepin County Commissioner. But in Minnesota, all of our seats are open. Uh, we have county commissioner races that are super hot right now. Folks are getting out the vote, uh, whether through an individual campaign or with the ACLU. Um, I'm personally working on assisting to see that we get some folks of color elected that have never been. Uh, represented in our state at these uh, levels of office. So that's what we've been up to.
0: And then do you feel like in the f- fellows class, again, you're 2018. So you started in January of this year and wrapped in June. What were the uh, top of mind topics for folks when it came to politics? Was it was it healthcare? Was it immigration? What kind of things were most frequently discussed?
1: I think we definitely talked about immigration um, and criminal justice reform Folks are really interested in policies around that, um, voter disenfranchisement, and then also uh, just knowledge of like local races that maybe folks haven't engaged in. Um, but there was a, a specific interest around immigration um, and healthcare as well.
0: And then for folks that don't know Minnesota well, is it similar to other states in that part of the country where you have a little more progressive urban centers and then things get pretty conservative as you go out? Or is it a little more complicated than that?
1: Yeah, I would say this was actually um, an interesting point of um, debate during our fellowship program. We had some folks that grew up in rural Minnesota, and um, the other half of us were city folks or lived right outside of the Twin Cities. Um, And we would say that, like, Minneapolis is known to be progressive, though most or all folks don't feel that way. And then we had People who are coming from rural Minnesota that were very adamant to know that there were folks in Minnesota, uh, rural Minnesota, that were progressive. Um, But personally, I do feel like the further out I go from the Twin Cities, uh, I do feel like a significant conservative wave. Um, So I do think Minnesota holds true to that.
0: And then were most of the fellows from the nonprofit sector, were they politicos, maybe work for electives or campaigns They work in schools? Like, What was the background of most of the folks?
1: Yeah, some of the folks were working at the legislature as aides. Uh, we had some nonprofit executive directors and directors of different programming. Uh, there's also some folks in uh corporate, whether they're working in banking or 3M, 3M. Um I myself work in city government and the attorney's office, but we we came from all walks of life and all backgrounds.
0: Yeah, so give me the scoop on, on working in the, the role that you're in. What kind of fills up most of your days and how'd you end up there?
1: Yeah, so um I work for a city attorney's office as the crime victim liaison, and so what that means is I'm working with any individual who's experienced victimization, whether it was um, a theft, so maybe somebody stole their cell phone, um, or that they were involved in a domestic assault. And so I work with the person from the beginning of the case, when it's sent from our police officers over to our office throughout the duration. Um, And if we are going to jury trial, I walk folks through that process as well, but I got started back in 2011. I was volunteering in New Orleans um, at an organization called Metro Center for Women, and they were working with folks who had experienced human trafficking. uh, And they were the only shelter in the area that um, really had beds for folks who were experiencing sex trafficking, and it would seem to be a newer topic. Um, We had the Super Bowl here in Minnesota last year, and it seemed like everybody was talking about. Uh, human trafficking and that it was coming to our city. Um, and the reality for those of us who work in the field and work with folks who are experiencing this level of victimization is that unfortunately it's always been here and it's just hidden. Or folks, you know, were like, it's not in my backyard. This isn't happening here. Um, and it's really going on every day. And so I got involved back then and I've done some work in nonprofit and now I've gone over to the city.
0: And is a role like the one you're in, is that common for cities to have? I feel like that's a a great asset to have that you're in a role like that where you can work with people from the beginning of the process to the end. Is that normal for cities or is that pretty unique?
1: No, I would say larger cities uh, do have it. It's like Minneapolis and St. Paul do. I work um, in Bloomington, which is just outside, but still in the Twin Cities. We actually, the position is new. It came last year due to grant funding. So the federal government and the state um, had funds for victim services to Create this position and bring it on. But not all cities have this uh, position. And so I do think it's great to have somebody in house on the prosecutorial side. The way that other um, jurisdictions or cities make sure that folks are getting access to advocates uh, or staff is through nonprofit agencies. So if they don't have someone like me in their office, they're likely matched up with their local nonprofit that's serving survivors.
0: And then because you're working with someone all the way through the process from the the, the time of the trauma to the end, you're seeing all parts of the system. You're seeing the the police-only part. You're seeing the judicial part. What uh, Mm -hmm. facets of the system would you want to see evolve and change the most since you really get to see the whole spectrum here?
1: Um, I mean, I have to give everyone credit. I think there's been a positive shift of – folks being willing to listen to survivors, but I do think that we need to have survivors and advocates at every table. So from police um, departments all the way through, right? Like there should be somebody who is a survivor themselves or someone who works with survivors that is able to bring that voice to the table and make sure they're included at every stage. Uh, I think what I'd like to see is more um, advocates or liaisons, um, folks that are specialized in working with victims, accessible at every stage. Um, I'm one person. I work closely with our advocacy agency to make sure that services I can't provide, they are getting access to, but there is uh, a great need. And so I just like to see folks more aware that there is a need to continue to have uh, this sort of professions available.
0: And then you mentioned the grant funding piece. Does that mean there's certain metrics or measurements that the folks behind the grant are looking for? Are they looking for satisfaction through like survey numbers of people who participate? Are they looking for a difference in, um, yeah, I'm kind of curious what what kind of things are they trying to study?
1: Um, so because we're new to it, they are actually looking for everything. So we're recording folks, demographics, age, uh, gender identity, race, uh, the type of victimization that they've experienced, And so if it was a DWI car accident, right, but then they've also experienced another level of victimization, say stalking from that individual that caused the crash. Um, We're tracking for every facet. Also, um, if somebody is not, um, English is not their first language. Uh, If they are from, another country? If they have access to services, are they hard of hearing? We just want to make sure that we're capturing where the need is and if there are gaps in services. So I am like lucky enough to speak uh, Roma, which is a language that is useful here in the Twin Cities. We have a Mm -hmm. high East African population, but I do work with a lot of Somali and Spanish speaking folks. And so I can't always uh, communicate with my own skills. So we use interpreters, but being able to map out where that need is so we can bring in folks who um, like do speak their language and their mother tongue without having to use interpreters. And so we're really capturing a lot of data.
0: That's great. When we come back, uh, stay tuned. We'll talk a little bit more about life in Minnesota and what VFG is up to. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Zag. We'll be right back. Yeah. So I was curious how you ended up in the Twin Cities area.
1: Yeah, um, it's a really, I was born here in Minneapolis um, in Cedar Riverside, which is, if you've ever been to Minneapolis, these multicolored, really tall apartment buildings that you can see (laughs) off Highway 94. uh, They're like pretty notorious. Uh, My parents came to the US from Ethiopia in the late 70s. And when they first came, They came to Miami and I was like, wow, why did you get over to Minnesota? What's happening? (laughs) Um, It's very interesting. But they came over to Minnesota for schooling and me and all of my siblings grew up here. And so we're still here.
0: And then like you mentioned before, there's a large community of East African uh, Mm -hmm. folks there. How did that impact your experience once you got there? And how do you feel like that's impacted the state in general?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when my parents came here, uh, the folks that came after them, it was like there was already a sense of community here. And so Minnesota was appealing despite our below zero temperatures in the winter, (laughs) knowing that some folks that you might have known from back home were also here and being able to resettle their lives safely was, I think, something of comfort. So when we grew up, we had a lot of friends that were we always thought of as family, even though they might not have always been our cousins. Uh, they were like family. We all grew up together, and so I actually grew up speaking Oromo before I spoke English. Um, and so my culture is really important to me. But I think as we look at Minneapolis and um, Saint Paul and the Twin Cities in general, we are a large population. We're starting to see folks. Um, more out there. Like we have the first Somali Muslim woman as a police officer who covers her hair. Um, we have Ilhan Omer, who's going to Congress soon. Like we are finally seeing representation from a community that has been here uh, for quite some time, right? And we're contributing meaningfully to society. So it's exciting to see us being recognized for that.
0: And what do you feel like people misunderstand on, about that part of the country? You know, think of us here in our 85 degrees, sunny L.A. weather in our progressive blue state. What kind of things do you feel like we're misinterpreting or not understanding fully about life in the Midwest?
1: Um, I think folks, I mean, my interpretation is that some folks think like it's a flyover state. (laughs) Um, I I am not the biggest fan of other Midwestern states, and I think it's because I haven't spent enough time there. Mm -hmm. I do think Minneapolis is unique. Uh, there's a lot of rich culture here. Uh, we're on native land and there's an indigenous population that I think we often forget about. And I think it's important to acknowledge where we are and like where we came as a country um, to the land that we're on today. And so I think it's really beautiful to be here with so many um, immigrant folks and folks from different walks of life. But Minneapolis is, it's a live city.
0: And then are the, in terms of Top of mind issues for the city itself are there Mm
1: -hmm.
0: some of the challenges that we're seeing here in, say, California about affordable housing or trying to move ourselves away from transportation challenges? Affordable housing crisis. What are you you seeing? um,
1: Hiawatha. It's called the Hiawatha encampment. It's a large indigenous. um, It's outside of a native lands, right? And so there are folks who are experiencing homelessness and. The city of Minneapolis is currently looking how to provide services for these individuals, and they have set up tents alongside of a highway. It's quite long, um, and it's getting really cold here. And so the community is upset and frustrated and looking for a way to give these folks the safe space, clean, warm space that they deserve. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we were told that October 1st, they, these folks would have somewhere to be, whether it was a shelter or temporary housing, and they're still out there. And so I think we were seeing that affordable housing is a massive crisis for us every day, um, as we're seeing our people on the streets.
0: Yeah. And last thing give us something to watch for on Tuesday, as folks are planted in front of the CNN TV and watching for election results. What kind of things should yeah. people cue in for when they're seeing results come in from your state?
1: Right. I think our Attorney General race um, is definitely something folks want to look at. Ellison and Wardlow. I think we're all pretty nervous about that race. Also, Ilhan Omer, I mean, she's going to be making history. So be sure to tune in for that. Uh, We're rooting for her here. Um, But I think um, the other seat is uh, Al Franken's former seat. Tina Smith Mm -hmm. is, you know, up for a special election. And I think minnesota is known as a blue state but it almost went red for trump and so be sure to look out for that as well
0: nice well everyone hang in there as we get closer to tuesday make sure to go vote if you haven't in california and every state in the union thanks for listening to this episode of the zag we'll be back next week don't forget you can find all past episodes and there's a lot over a hundred find them on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify soundcloud stitcher it's all there thanks for listening we'll catch you soon